Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. In verse 13, and before we read the text, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this privilege, studying your word together. And as we do, we invite the Holy Ghost to be our teacher and guide, to give us understanding and insight, and also to enlarge our capacity to receive revelation knowledge of all things that pertain to life and godliness. I thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost to proclaim boldly and accurately this knowledge that will not only make us free, but cause our faith to stand not in men's wisdom, but in the power of the living God. For all that's achieved among us will give you honor, glory, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity or divine love. And, of course, God's love is the greatest force and power in all of the universe. And the Greek word there, of course, for a charity is agape, which is a new kind of love that Jesus brought with Him to this earth. For the world did not know that kind of love until Jesus came on the scene. And in chapter 14 and verse 1, we are told, and I'm reading from the Amplified Version, to eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love, this agape love. Make it your aim and your great quest in life. Every single one of us as a child of God is under a divine mandate to do something with agape love. God wants us to develop in it to be perfected in it, and He wants its force and influence to hold sway over all of our lives. In other words, everything that we do is to be love-motivated, agape-motivated. Every desire of the heart should be born out of this great love. And so for some time we've been talking about living in this realm of agape love. And I want to continue that study here this morning. We already know that it's to be our highest aim and greatest quest. We already know that without growing in love, we don't grow in God. And we already know that in order to be spiritually mature, we must go all the way in this love, and that includes loving our enemies. For we saw in Matthew 5, verses 43 through 48, that if we do not learn to love our enemies, we will not be perfect as our Father in heaven is perfect. And so if we really desire to be more God-like, then we must follow this love. And that includes loving our enemies. And I realize that that's not an easy thing to do from the natural perspective. But we as Christians live by a higher standard and a higher rule. 
than the people of the world. They may still live by the rule an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But we are told that we are to owe no man anything but to love him. We owe it to God and we owe it to each other. To love one another with divine love. And we also owe it to him to love our enemies. And I should say it like this, to allow him to love our enemies through us. And if we'll do that, then I believe many more would be reached with the power of God. And they'll make a decision to come to Jesus Christ. I want you to turn with me, if you would please, to 1 John. Well, I'll tell you what, before we look at that, there's one verse or one part of this study on divine love that I want to read from 1 Corinthians 13 in the Amplified. I want you to look over, let's see, verse 1 Corinthians 13. And let's look at verse 5. And from the Amplified it says, It is not conceited, it is not arrogant, inflated with pride, it's not rude, it's not unmannerly, it does not act unbecomingly. Love or God's love in us. Now notice that expression. God's love in us. Say this, God's love in me does not allow me to insist on my own rights or ways. I'm not self-seeking. Now here it is. I'm not touchy, fretful, or resentful. I take no account of the evil done to me. I pay no attention to a suffered wrong. Now I want you to focus in on that part right there. I'm not touchy, fretful, or resentful. I take no account of the evil done to me. I pay no attention to a suffered wrong. You read those words and from the natural, your flesh wants to cringe. Isn't that true? Because that is not the way the flesh responds. Isn't that true? When we are wronged in this life, the flesh wants to rebel and rise up and get revenge. And if someone has wronged us, we want to make that known and expose that person for his or her wrongdoing. That's the way the flesh acts. Okay? Now, I want you to hold that thought in mind and turn with me, if you would please, to 1 John chapter 5. Because I believe a very important truth that we have got to understand is the fact that when we do not live in love's realm and when we do not obey the royal law of love, we throw our lives wide open to the attacks of Satan. Did you hear that? When we refuse to allow divine love to control our lives, our actions, our motives, then we throw our lives wide open to Satan's attacks. And then tragedies can come to our lives. In 1 John 5, in 18, it says, We know that whosoever 
is born of God sinneth not. But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself. And if you'll study this whole chapter, you'll know he's talking about that you're living in the realm of love. As a matter of fact, the whole book is about walking in love. And your faith will work by love and all that. But here it says that he that is born of God does not sin against love. He that is born of God keeps himself in God's love. In the realm of God's love. Now notice the latter part of the verse. And that wicked one toucheth him not. And if you read that more literally, it's saying the wicked one will not attach himself to his life. When a person refuses to walk in the realm of divine love, he may not realize this, but unconsciously, he then is opening up his life to more attacks of the enemy. Now, I don't know about you, I have enough attacks without throwing my life wide open to more attacks of the enemy. What about you? I'm not looking for a way to throw wide open that door. I'm looking for a way to close the door to satanic attack. What about you? I'm looking for a way to shut the door to sickness and disease. To shut the door to calamity. To shut the door to tragedy. To shut the door to anything that does not cause my life to prosper. That does not cause me to be blessed from above. Aren't you? Amen. I thought you were. Well, if we keep ourselves in this realm of love, we can avert many problems and many situations that can cause damage to our lives. But if we don't even have any idea as to what it means to walk in love, can you see then that without knowledge, we can be guilty of throwing open that door? Because... Through lack of knowledge, we didn't know that we were supposed to walk in love toward our enemy. Through lack of knowledge, we didn't realize that we're not supposed to be touchy, fretful, and resentful. We didn't realize we're not supposed to take account of the evil done to us and pay no attention to a suffered wrong. Why? Because we're human beings, and when someone deals us a blow in life, once again, the flesh has a get-even attitude. Or it has an attitude that says, I don't want anything to do with you any longer. Don't even talk to me. I resent you and I'll be bitter towards you. And that for a long time. That's how the flesh is. If we allow the flesh to have its way. Let me just give you a little bit of an illustration. Brother Hagin once was holding a meeting in Oklahoma. And during that particular time, his children were very young. And as a result, he traveled by himself. He didn't take his wife or children with him. Well, he held a meeting at a particular church where the pastor lived in a parsonage. And the church was a brick structure. And during that particular time, those many years ago, Pentecostal churches were not made of brick. Most of them were just frame buildings, you know, inexpensive buildings, 
and that sort of thing. But this particular pastor had a church that was brick. The church was well off and he had a nice parsonage and all that. Well, Brother Hagin went to hold a meeting for him. And when he got there, the fellow finally took him back behind the parsonage and showed him his accommodations. He gave him the chicken coop. It's a fact. And as a matter of fact, Brother Hagin even said it wasn't even cleaned out. And if I can be so graphic, he said there were chicken droppings everywhere. And he said, when I got back there, you know, the thought that comes to your mind is what? Don't even unpack. Don't unzip the suitcase. Get the thing back in the car. Get your body into the car. And go back to your wife and kids. Isn't that what the flesh would do? Well, studying divine love, Brother Hagin knew that he was not to be touchy, fretful, or resentful. He wasn't to take any account of the evil done to him or pay any attention to a suffered wrong. And so what he did was, he put down his flesh and he said, I'm not going to just leave. Now, he was supposed to be there for quite some time. But he said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to stay at least for one week. He was supposed to preach a few weeks. I'm going to stay right on through the week, right on to Sunday, and then I'll close the meeting in a proper way. He said that if I were to do something foolish, if I were to act out of love then I could possibly bring damage to the church itself. He said, number one, I don't want to be the cause of this man's fall. I don't want the people to have a low opinion of their pastor. I don't want them to see him in an improper light. He said, so I just made a decision to go ahead and go with the week's teaching and I would endure the hardship myself. Now, beloved, the natural human mind does not think that way. When a person is sorely wronged like that, usually you want to expose the person who is causing you to suffer, you know, the, the problem. Well, as a result of studying the Scriptures and knowing that love was to guide and direct his steps... Brother Hagin chose to suffer rather than cause the church to suffer. He chose to act in love and not destroy the life of this other man of God. And so he spent that entire week there not wanting to make the pastor look bad and doing every bit of his part to see to it that he made the man look good. To whatever degree he could. What happened was, conducted the meeting, went back home, kept his mouth shut. Didn't say anything to anyone about how he was treated. Came to pass that the pastor lost his church, 
took a job working at a grocery store somewhere and ended up dying of throat cancer at the age of 39. 39 years old. Can you imagine having the call of God upon your life? Knowing that God wants you to lead and direct His people. And that He has a beautiful plan that will help lead those people and yourself into a place of victory and blessing. Yet having your life just removed and taken from you at such a young and early age because you refuse to walk in love toward your brother? Well, that happened to this particular pastor. And the Lord showed Brother Hagen that a major reason why many in the body of Christ are sickly is because they do not choose to walk in love toward other believers. They would rather listen to the flesh and allow the flesh to direct them in life. And instead of maybe suffering hardship for the name of the Lord and maybe have to put up with something like he did and others have, they'd rather get their own revenge or expose somebody and contribute to the downfall of another man of God. Now, I guess many years later, you can look back and you can conclude certain things. I've always heard those that have made it in faith say that, look at the lives of the others who have gone before you. And when you see someone who made it, study his life carefully. Don't just think it was by chance that they made it. If they really believe and live the life that God wants them to live, and have had success in living out a full, long life, study their lives and find out some things that they knew about God. And I've done that, and I've seen that although many may think that Brother Hagin was foolish, and they may think that he was wrong, I see a man who has continued to live a life of health, who has also been told by the Lord Himself in His last vision of the Lord, that you can live ten years beyond your ministry and enjoy life on earth if you want to, or I'll just take you home with me whenever you're ready. That's a pretty good proposition, wouldn't you say, from the Lord? See, the Lord told him that many believers just don't choose to live the love life. And that's why many get sick and die prematurely. And although God doesn't want it, He is unable to bless them like He wants to because they don't choose to make right decisions based on divine love. Well, Brother Hagin has lived a, a, a long life since that time. And as I said, he has already been told by the Lord that he can have many more years even after his ministry is completed on this earth just to enjoy life if he wants to because of his sacrifice and dedication. Beloved, you can look at a life like that and you can say that's something you can follow. 
And you might say, well, that's not right. We should follow Jesus. I agree with you that we should follow Jesus closely. But does not the Scripture say, Be ye followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promise? Doesn't it say that? Did not Paul say, Be ye followers of me even as I am of Christ? So we can glean light from the lives of those who have gone before us and we can see how they lived their lives before God and how God was able to bless them as a result of the decisions that they made that were right and proper in the sight of God. And so when I study after someone like Brother Hagin, and I discover over and over and over again in all of his writings that in order for one to really live the life of health, wholeness, and well-being, that person must walk close to God in love. Love must be the realm in which that person lives and love must direct the actions of his life. I've got to take that to heart. Because you see, beloved, sometimes we think that it really doesn't matter. So it's okay to continue being angry with people, being resentful toward people. You know, because judgment hasn't fallen upon us maybe immediately, it's okay to be bitter for a while and allow these forces to control our lives. Humanly speaking, once again, we may feel like being bitter, we may feel resentful, and maybe want to get even with people who wrong us. But, beloved, acting out of the flesh never produces any good thing in our lives, spiritually. If Brother Hagin would have acted out of the flesh and maybe got others to join together with him to get this man out and do all kinds of terrible things to him, all it would have done would have, was, was affected his own personal life in a negative way. You see, beloved, when we choose to give place to the flesh, it affects us inwardly. When we choose to be bitter and resentful, and when we choose to take account of the evil that people do to us, then on the inside, something is taken away from us spiritually. And that something prevents us from experiencing God's richest blessings in life. Following the voice of the flesh may seem rewarding at the time. But let us renew our minds to the fact that in the long run, it's going to be destructive. Down the road somewhere, we are going to be hurt because we have yielded to the voice of the flesh and allowed the flesh to dominate our actions. It is better and more advantageous to all of us to choose to suffer the immediate hardship rather than be guilty of destroying another person's life or exposing another person's fault or criticizing or judging others. It's better for us because on the inside it does something positive. It creates an atmosphere and environment 
in which faith will work for us. Walking in love will cause faith to work. There is something about walking in love that energizes our faith. There is something about not walking in love that neutralizes our faith. It's essential, beloved, that every single one of us be conscious of the fact that although we cannot see that action taking place in us, it is happening with every decision that we make. We are either going to produce positive things in our heart by walking in love or allow negative things to overtake us by not walking in love. I believe that we should all make the decision to live the love life even though at the moment it may appear as though we're being taken advantage of. You know, there are those that always say that they're suffering for Jesus with a sickness or a disease in their body and they've been schooled in their mind and by their theology that this is true suffering for Jesus. Beloved, I don't see that suffering for Jesus because Jesus bore our sickness and carried our pain. You want to talk about suffering for Jesus? Suffering is when you've been wronged and you want to retaliate and you bite your tongue. When you've been hurt or placed in such a, a position like Brother Hagin was, that you have got to suffer that hardship and endure it without going through the motions of the temptation that tells you to pull him down and destroy his life. Suffering is when everything in you wants to be bitter towards somebody, yet you withstand the temptation. You take in a deep breath and you let love ooze out of your being. Suffering is when you've been wronged and yet you bless the person who wronged you. Suffering is when you've been evil spoken of and you speak well of the person who spoke evil of you because the temptation is to speak evil of them. The temptation is to wrong them. The temptation is to make them suffer what you're suffering also. But you see, beloved, God doesn't want us to live in that realm. God wants us to collect ourselves. He wants us to rise up in love and say, I'm not touchy. I'm not fretful. I'm not resentful. I want you to turn to Hebrews 12 while I'm saying this. I'm not touchy. I'm not resentful. I'm not fretful. And why is that? Because love does not take an account of the evil done to it. That's why I'm not touchy. I'm not fretful or resentful because love pays no attention to a suffered wrong. I am not giving it any attention. But can't you see what they did to you? I am not giving it any attention. Well, why? There is something wrong with your character if you're not going to fight and stand up for yourself. I'm not giving it any attention 
because I know that if I walk in love, the wicked one toucheth me not. See, he wants to make that loud and clear. We must understand that the enemy gets us in these kinds of positions, even if it means using other brothers and sisters in the Lord, so that we would be tempted to act in the flesh, tempted to resent and to become bitter. He knows that if we do that, he has us right where he wants us. In other words, beloved, we don't go into this love walk without knowledge. Can you see that? We understand what we're doing. To the outsider, they may view it as a weakness in our character. But on the inside, we can say, I know something that you don't know. Outwardly, it may appear as though I'm weak. But I want you to know that inwardly, I'm strong. And the strong spirit of a man will sustain him in all of life's fights. In Hebrews chapter 12, I want you to know, beginning at verse 1, that this really is the life that we've been called to. It's the life of love. And we're running a race that involves putting down the attitudes of the flesh. There is a temptation for us to become weak and weary in this well-doing. We're to keep our eyes on Jesus and we are to see strength in His life spiritually through love that enabled Him to overcome everything the world threw His way. Seeing, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay every, every weight, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. It is so easy to become impatient in the walk of love. It is so easy to set aside the teachings of love and become bitter resentful and touchy. It is so easy to blame others for our own condition because of how they have affected our lives. Well, beloved, lay aside those things that hold you back. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured... We're going to have to endure hardness and hardships as good soldiers of the cross of Christ. And some of that includes being abused by others, yet praying for those that abuse us and despitefully use us. Being hurt by others, yet not allowing ourselves to become bitter or resentful. Listen. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. He endured it, and likewise we must endure it. 
lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. They wanted to stone him. They finally falsely accused him. They abused him. They rejected him. They crucified him. Yet, he held no animosity in his heart whatsoever. Not only did he love his own, but those that persecuted him and finally executed him, he loved by saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I'm not bitter toward them. I'm not resentful. Consider him. You have not yet resisted under blood striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us. We have given them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but He for our profit, that we might be partakers of His holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down, and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, Lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men and holiness. Notice we're in a race. We're supposed to be following the leader of that race. His name is Jesus. He says, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness, any root of bitterness, being resentful, springing up, trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Beloved, that word defiled means contaminated. It is Satan's purpose and objective to get us out of the realm of love through the weakness of our flesh to get us to the place where we can no longer endure the affliction, the attack, the rejection and everything people in this world through demonic influence throw our way. He knows that if he can get us out of this realm of love and into the realm of being resentful and bitter, then He can destroy us from within. I want you to know that Satan cannot destroy any child of God who does not give him access to his life. Did you know that? Bitterness will cause one to be contaminated. 
and through the forces of darkness, that person's life is going to be thrown wide open to the attack of the enemy. Contamination, meaning physically, emotionally, as well as spiritually. And the forces of life that are supposed to be operative in the life of the child of God will be shut down. And the law of sin and death will have freedom to run its course. Turn with me, if you would, please, to the book of Romans, chapter 13. Because I believe it's essential, beloved, to make clear to every single one of us God's desire toward our lives. Every child of God is to live in the realm of love no matter what the temptation is. No matter how hard the enemy tries to remove us from this realm, we are to make the decision to stay in this realm regardless. In Romans 13, in verse 8 it says, Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. We owe it to God to love one another. And that means to fulfill the royal law of agape love. And that when others wrong us, and when others hurt us, and when others cause us to suffer, we are not to retaliate as we are prompted to by the flesh and expose them or even try to get vengeance on them or destroy their lives in any way. Although we, we may want to. And the flesh would feel gratified in doing so. We are to make a decision of the will not to retaliate, but to allow God to be in control of the situation. Who can fight a better fight than God Himself on our behalf? Do you know of anyone? Don't be overcome with evil. Overcome evil with good. This is the law He wants us to live by. But look at what they did to you. I understand that. And you know what? I give them over to God. I will not contribute to their downfall in any way. I give them over to God. And if it's a servant of the Most High God, as far as I'm concerned, He is able to make Him stand. You know, beloved, going back and looking at the life of that pastor who died at age 39, some of might think in their mind, how can this glorify God? It doesn't glorify God. But may I state this? God knows when one of His own goes too far in a wrong direction. And when a person has gone that far in his great love for his child, he has no choice but to release his hand of grace from the person's life and allow that man to be turned over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his soul would be saved in the day of the Lord, might be saved in the day of the Lord. And in his eyes, it's better... So this person 
to die prematurely and go to heaven than to live longer and go to hell. And when you're dealing with that kind of a decision, beloved, we're talking about a very serious matter. And rather than holding the view that, oh, this was just God at work. Well, in a sense, it was God at work in a person's life. Not the cancer. Just taking His hand of protection off of Him so that His spirit would not be lost forever. It's amazing what happens to a person when he's on a deathbed. How a person has a change of heart in many cases. Let God deal with the other person who's wronging you, beloved. Let God deal with the other person who's causing you heartache and pain. Don't you allow that spirit to contaminate you and don't you treat others the same way. And even the person who has wronged you, I'm going to tell you something right now. Don't rejoice in getting even with someone. Because I'll say along with Jesus, if we rejoice in vengeance and revenge, we know not what spirit we are of. You know, there are some ministers that just love to see other ministers fall. Can we meddle a little bit? They love to see other ministers fall. I don't know for what reason, but Satan puts all kinds of thoughts in people's minds that you can't have more than one church in a community. And if that person falls, that's going to be, it's going to be better for their church. You know, it's a sad thing. It's a sad scenario when ministers have got to fight each other. And when ministers have an attitude that this is my flock, these are my people. No, we belong to Christ. This is His church. We are all His people. We're just following what He wants us to do. And you know what? If this church down the street here gets on fire for God and grows and, and, and they've got to expand their borders, I say, Hallelujah, praise ye the Lord. Get them all in. Get them saved and get them in glory. That's why we're here. I don't want to see a brother fall. Do you want to see a brother fall? You're going to take your camera around and find some brother doing something wrong and take a snapshot and print it on a printed page of a paper? You're going to be that of that kind of a spirit and attitude that does something like that then takes it to the leaders and says, and says, see? Beloved, rather than to contribute to something like that, I'd rather get my face on, on my face before God in a prayer closet somewhere and pray that God would send angels to touch that man or touch that woman, touch that life. And even if they wrong me personally, I still don't want to see him fall. I don't want to see him hurt. I don't want to see their ministry lost. I don't want to see them destroyed. That's the spirit that we are to be of. That's how God wants us to be. And beloved, if we're not that way, then what spirit are we of? I want you, let's read on because this is so important. Let's, let's read on. Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Note that following love will throw our lives wide open to the full blessings of God. It will throw our lives wide open to God's best and God's richest provisions. It'll protect us from the wicked one, the evil one, 
and open up avenues through which God can bless us. Keep that thought in mind next time we are tempted to become resentful, fretful, touchy, and take account of the evil done to us. We're not to pay attention to a suffered wrong with the knowledge that walking in love is what gets me blessed. And we're not to do it with an arrogant attitude, but really with an attitude of compassion. Do you realize that when we see someone, whether a brother or a sister in the Lord, doing something that is unbecoming to a Christian, you realize we are supposed to have compassion? And we are also, as the Bible says, to restore such in one in the spirit of meekness if we find them in a fault. Considering ourselves so that we also don't fall. We owe it to God to love with this kind of love. And not to be happy that someone's doing wrong so we got the goods on them. But if anything, weep before the Lord until heaven moves in a positive way and brings change to that person's life. Because you know they're snared by Satan as well as I do. Let's read on. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. If there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill. Say this with me. I work no ill to my neighbor. Therefore, I fulfill the law. Love works no ill to his neighbor. That man was not walking in love toward Brother Hagen, but Brother Hagen was walking in love toward the other man. Can you see that? And way down the road, some many years later, this man has died a premature death, but Brother Hagen is still going strong. But the flesh said, it would give me great pleasure to go before that congregation and tell them, your pastor put me up in a chicken coop. I've got to sit there in that filth and in that dirt. What kind of a church is this? What kind of a man of God is he? Now certainly something should have been done if he belonged to an organization or whatnot, but that's not the issue at hand. The issue is, what spirit are ye of? What spirit am I of? Do I want to retaliate or do I want to allow love to prevail and let God intervene? See, and although he suffered, God rewarded him because he didn't want to bring his brother down. Let's read on. And that, well, first of all, before we read on, read that verse 10 again. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is a fulfilling of the law. When you have fulfilled the law, you open the door to all of Abraham's blessings. Do you realize that? When we don't, we shut the door to all of those blessings and live under a curse. Fulfilling the law can only be done through love. And as I keep the royal law of love, I fulfill the Mosaic law. Fulfilling the Mosaic law means I have the full blessings of God in my life. So why would I want to shut the door to God's greater blessings 
so I can satisfy and gratify my flesh by punching somebody in the nose. Well, don't you feel good about yourself now? Yep, knocked him right in the head. Yeah, I know, but you shut the door to the blessings of God. Well, I'll repent. It's okay to repent, but you know what, beloved? Every time we act out of love, something in us is taken away from us spiritually. You ever find yourself saying, I wish I could get back to where I was? What does that statement mean? I talked to a person who was a Pentecostal, didn't even know it, when the church was in Midland, and I went up to see his wife who was dying of, a, of, of cancer. And I began to share the gospel about being filled with the Holy Ghost and, and all that. And, you know, I, I stood in awe because, and amazed because the fellow just sat there and said, you know, he was well up there in his later seven, latter 70s or whatever, almost 80, whatever. And he said, um, I knew all that. I said, you did? He said, yeah, I used to walk with God every day. He said, I used to talk to Him. I was filled with the Holy Ghost. I spoke with other tongues and all this. He says, but I just stopped doing all that. It's been years since I've done anything like that. What makes a person get that far away from God? Has God so changed? Is God less um, attractive? Are the things of God less desirable? Has heaven lost all its bliss? What happened? Something happened to the man internally. Because of the circumstances of life, he began to deteriorate spiritually and stopped his communication with God. All these things are direct attacks of the enemy against our spirituality to get us further away from God. Beloved, the only safe place is God's realm of love. Say this with me. Love never fails. God is just as desirable today. God is just as wonderful today. God is just as exciting today. The things of God are just as exciting as they were when we were rejoicing about them. God has not changed. What has changed is the person on the inside. And with every decision a, person's make, a person makes to leave the love realm, you're getting that much further away from God. That's the truth. Don't fall victim to the enemy and allow that to happen to you. Stay there where God wants you to be and look at verse 12. And know, and that knowing the time, that now it is high time. It's not just time. It's high time to awake out of sleep. What sleep is he referring to? The sleep of being controlled by the flesh and the senses. I'll show you. For now is our salvation nearer than we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. This whole world is in darkness, but the dawning of a new day is upon us. Can you see that? It's not going to be dark forever in the world. All this darkness, all this selfishness, all this unholiness, all these calamities and all the things we see in this life, the ugliness of the world around us that lies in darkness 
is not going to be here forever. We are in the light. And the light is not to be overwhelmed by the darkness. The light is to expel the darkness. It's time to wake up, he's saying. The night is far spent. Our salvation is near than we first believed. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Don't let the flesh dominate us any longer. And let us put on the whole armor of love. That is, of the light of God's love. It's the armor of light. I'm not walking in the darkness of the flesh. I'm walking in a way that I know never fails. Love never fails. It never fails. And so God wants us to realize where we're at in His timetable. The day is coming. A new day is going to dawn upon us. Jesus is going to come again. There's going to be that thousand-year millennial reign of Christ where there's all perfect peace in Him. God wants us to know that the darkness is to be dispelled. Begin to walk in the light of God's love. And let us walk honestly as in the day. Not in rioting and drunkenness. Not in chambering and wantonness. Not in strife and envying. Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provisions for the flesh. He's talking about the flesh, isn't he? To fulfill the lusts thereof. You know, your flesh and my flesh lusts after those things. We've said it on, on many occasions. Someone pulls out in front of you in your car when you're driving down the road. All of a sudden, your flesh goes berserk. It goes berserk. Why? Somebody pull out in front of me. You ever notice in some places where you go when you drive? When you're driving in your car and someone puts on their turn signal because they've noticed that maybe down ahead it goes into a one lane. Or maybe they're on this side on the freeway and forgot that they've got to get off on that exit. And so they put on their turn signal because they want to get in front of you. You ever notice that when you're trying to get on that lane, that some people, it's their mission in life to keep you out of that lane. You ever been there? All you're wanting to do is get over. You're not going to delay them for an hour. You're not going to hurt them in any way. All you want to do is let them know, I need to get over from here to there. I know I made a mistake. I'm sorry. I was wrong. But they'll speed up. And they'll get right next to you. And if you slow down, so will they. There's something about them not wanting you to get over there. Because if you do, they've been defeated. So you've got to learn how to catch them off guard. (laughs) And there's a trick to it. Let me know. I'll give you some counsel about that. (laughs) But you understand the point. The flesh is just rebellious. The flesh does not want to do what that law of love says. It wants to be resentful. It wants to be bitter. And it wants to be touchy. Right? Exactly. Have you ever said to your mate, why are you so touchy today? Have you ever said that? Have you ever been touchy? How many honest ones do we have here today? Have you ever been touchy? I mean, really touchy? Like... You know, my goodness, no matter what it was that somebody did, it bothered you. 
and it didn't matter, you know, what it was, it bothered you. Even if it didn't affect you, it bothered you. Everything just bothered you. You're touchy. We need to say it every day. I'm not touchy, fretful, or resentful, and I take no account of the evil done to me, and I pay no attention to a suffered wrong. And when people wrong me, and, you know, we're going to wrong each other, even if we intend to or not, we're going to do it because we're human beings in the flesh. I just choose to, to slip into the realm of love and allow love to dominate my life. And, beloved, I'm not saying it's an easy thing to do. But if you want to know, and if I want to know how to keep the door closed to Satan, so the wicked one touches us not, that's how to do it. And if I want to know how to keep the door open to God's greater blessings and His richest and best, that's how to do it. And even though others may not choose to do it, you be the one to say, I'm not going to expose that person. I'm not going to show how awful he treated me. I'm not going to show to anybody, you know, how he brought suffering to my life. All I'm going to do is take it to God in prayer and still love that brother as I should, according to the Word of God. And if someone says that's a weakness in your character, just know that it's a strength. And don't be deceived by the flesh. Because down the road somewhere, and beloved... Never forget this. If you remember anything, remember this. Sowing seeds of love will always enable you to reap seeds, or reap the fruit of love down the road. It may not be tomorrow, but down the road, you'll reap what you sowed. Sowing seeds of bitterness and resentment and evil and wrongdoing, you may not reap it the next day, but be guaranteed that what you sow is what you reap. And if we want to live a life free of contamination, then don't sow any seeds of bitterness or resentment in your life at all. Let love dominate your being and you'll be blessed of the Lord. Let's all stand before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.